0: We'll My name is Miles.
1: Hey guys, it's Sean. And we
0: are so excited that you guys are here for episode five. This week, we are going to be covering the unbelievable story of what happened to Candace. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe to Forensic Miles wherever you're listening to this podcast. The night of October 31st, 1992, in the town of Kipling, which is in Canada, unraveled a web that would leave one woman fighting for justice for over seven years. Candace, or Candy as she's referred to in the Forensic Files episode, had been visited by her ex-boyfriend at work. The encounter didn't go great, and they argued, as they had done in the past. And as he drove away, Candace actually put a footprint in the side of his pickup truck. She was overwhelmed and upset about the argument, so she left work early and decided to visit her friend at the Kipling Hospital. Unfortunately, her friend was not at work that day, and she spoke to a nurse instead. The nurse could tell that Candace was upset and asked if she'd be interested in seeing a doctor. Candace agreed. So the nurse called the doctor on call, which was Dr. Schneeberger. John Schneeberger was a highly respected doctor in the town of Kipling. He was known as a charming, you know, professional person. He raised funds to build a public swimming pool, and he was extremely respected in the community. John had been born in Zambia, and after graduating from from university in South Africa, moved to Kipling to practice medicine, quickly winning over the community, um, and he obtained a glowing reputation from, from everybody. Candace and Dr. Schneeberger knew each other. He had treated her about 20 times, and in fact, he had actually delivered her child a few months earlier. Dr. Schneeberger offered to help um, calm her by giving her a sedatives, and Candace agreed. But then he pulled out a large syringe. You know, Candace had expected to get a few pills, but not a large syringe. But she trusted him and therefore let him give her the injection. Within a few seconds, Candace became dizzy. John helped her to the examining table where she, you know, lay down. And now it's the worst part. She was sexually assaulted. At this point, Candace was pretty out of it. She, could hardly, she was hardly conscious and couldn't tell who was assaulting her, but she knew it was happening. Um, later, she had said, I had no control of my muscles. I was scared. I tried to scream. That must be an absolutely horrible feeling.
1: Terrifying.
0: Knowing that something's happening to you, but not being able to do anything about it. She couldn't even scream.
1: It's like some saw stuff.
0: The next day, Candace confronted Dr. Schneeberger about the incident. She asked him, you know, what sedative he had given to her. And do you want to know what he said?
1: Probably that he didn't give her a sedative.
0: He said, why? Did you have wild dreams? And then he turned around and walked away.
1: Creeper alert. Yes.
0: So later that same day, Candace called him again and said that something really, really bad had happened to her the night before, and she really wanted a response from him. She was scared. She remembered this. Something terrible happened, and he was the one that was there. So she needed him to give her a response. And his response this time wasn't much better than the time before. He said that there were elderly patients, which he referred to as wanderers, that were known to occasionally crawl into bed with other patients. I mean
1: what? Yeah, that that's just not going to happen.
0: Candace is a smart lady and you know she knew in her heart that it was John that had assaulted her. Later that same day, Candace went to a different town and underwent a pelvic pelvic exam where semen had been collected. Um at this time she also spoke to an RCMP officer.
1: Smart to go to a different town for all of it.
0: Mm-hmm, I agree, especially because he was so loved in Kipling. On November sixteenth, nineteen ninety two, the RCMP requested a blood sample from Schneeberger. An officer was in the room when the blood was taken, and he watched as the needle, um, you know, was inserted into the inner curl of John's arm. So I have to assume that's like where your where your elbow. You know, where you bend yeah, your arm I at your so. elbow. Um, months later, the DNA results finally came back and they did not match Schneeberger's DNA, but Candace could not believe what she was hearing. She knew that it was John that had assaulted her and she vowed to get to the bottom of it. After uh, some months, she finally convinced the RCMP to ask for a new blood sample of John's, a new sample of John's blood. She claimed that she believed the officer um, had, had actually conspired with Schneeberger because because he was such, you know, a well-loved doctor in the community. On August 6th, 1993, a second blood test was taken, and the results were, unfortunately, the same as the first. At this point, the town had kind of come up with, uh, you know, their own opinions and believed that Candace was, you know, making these allegations up, and they were honestly extremely angry about it. Um, Later in the trial, the Crown Prosecutor, Dean Sinclair, said, She was socially ostracized. She was forced to leave her community, the community she was born in. She was subject to malicious rumors. Um, So Candace actually had to move to a different town because of all of the anger of these, of the people in Kipling. Um, And John Schneeberger's wife, Lisa, even went so far as to refer to Candace as a slut on TV,
1: Mm.
0: which is just Horrible. Investigations halted in 1994, but Candace was a strong woman and she never gave up on seeking justice for herself. So she hired a private investigator. Rumors about the private investigator got John a little bit nervous. Um, And his wife once saw him wetting envelopes so that he wouldn't lick them. You know, so instead of licking them, he put them under the sink and wet them and then closed them. Um, and so he wouldn't get his DNA on it.
1: That seems odd to say the least.
0: It was. And when he saw that she was watching him, he had said, you never, um, you can never be too careful when people are trying to accuse you of something you didn't do.
1: But, you know, but if you didn't do it, why, why would you take the precautions Against it.
0: Exactly. But his wife was one of his biggest supporters, um, so she didn't think anything of it. On November 20th, 1996, John um, voluntarily went to get his blood drawn for a third time. Serology expert, uh, Gene Roney. Serology is the study of um, examination of blood serum. It's the study or examination of blood serum. Anyway, so he went to get his blood drawn by this serology expert, Jean Roney. Um, And she motioned for him to give her his finger to prick, um, you know, to take the blood. But Schneeberger asked that she not get the blood from his finger as he had a rare syndrome where his fingers would bruise easily. I don't know why this is super important. Uh, The only thing I can think of is that he's a doctor and he wants, He wants his hands in the best shape
1: possible? Is he a surgeon, though? No,
0: he's just a doctor. Anyway, the excuse worked for Jean, and she agreed. She inserted the needle into John's left bicep, and she noticed that the vein looked uncommonly hard and uncharacteristically large. When she stuck the needle in, a brown fluid came out of the vein. Um, it, It was blood, but when it was tested, the DNA did not match the semen. So this is the third time that John has been has had his blood tested, and the third time that it came back as not matching the DNA from the semen. I don't know if you've watched the Forensic Files episode on this, but this interaction was actually recorded. So I highly suggest going and watching this episode because it's fascinating. When Gene is kind of in the back of the hospital. Or the room, she's got the vial of blood and she's kind of shaking it around. Um, and she looks really confused and says something like that the blood doesn't look fresh. Um, and later she's known to have said, um, The only time that I've ever seen blood that color was when it was old. So this was really strange. How could blood be old if it's coming directly out of his
1: body? Yeah, a fresh sample.
0: Yeah. Going to take a quick break right here so you can hear about an awesome new podcast.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Joe. And forgive me for interrupting this great episode of Forensic Miles, but I wanted to just let you all know that I have a brand new true crime podcast of my own called Still Unknown, an unsolved true crime podcast. Each week, I will dive into a new unsolved murder or missing persons case. And who knows, maybe even a paranormal story every now and then. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this podcast here. You can also follow the podcast's Instagram page at Still Unknown Podcast. Episode 1 will be out on January 1st, so subscribe now to hear it when it debuts. Thank you. And now back to this episode of Forensic Miles.
0: So all this time, Candace's private investigator is you know still investigating this case, um, and he finally catches a break. He had broken into John's car and taken um, a tube of chapstick. Um, Candace had the chapstick. The DNA from the ChapStick tested. Um, she, you know, she paid for this by herself. Um, and when the DNA came back, it matched the semen sample.
1: So is that something that's like admissible though in court? Since it broke into his car and dotted? and.
0: No, but it did bring up a lot of questions. So finally you know, they've got this match, but how is that possible? How is the blood that comes from John's arm not the same DNA as the saliva found on his chapstick? One of Candace's main concerns throughout the seven years of her fighting for justice for herself in this case was that she worried there would be more victims. And even though she tried her best to make her truth known, a second victim came forward. On April 25th, 1997, a 15-year-old girl came forward saying that John had touched her. She claimed that she couldn't remember much of the events because she had been drugged. Lisa Schneeberger, John's wife, knew this girl. She trusted this girl and felt that this girl would not have lied. And do you know why? Hmm. This girl was her daughter. John's stepdaughter.
1: His own stepdaughter?
0: His own stepdaughter pretty bold after supporting her husband for four years lisa immediately changed her mind kicked him out of the house and filed for divorce she then did something that would completely change this case she handed over some boxes that she had found in her house and at her cabin and the boxes were filled of medical supplies such as needles, alcohol swabs, but then also some other stuff, like condoms and various drugs. And one of these drugs is a sedative called Versed. Uh-oh. So I looked at Versed a little bit, and it's um, used to sedate patients during minor surgeries, dental work, or other procedures.
1: So On, basically enough to numb them but not knock them out.
0: I think it makes them confused, not really in control of their body, forgetful. Hmm. Um, on December 16th, 1997, RCMP officers confronted John with a warrant for hair sample. They collected 25 hairs and another DNA test, um, but this time the blood came from his fingertips. They also did a mouth swab. After testing this DNA, it came back as a match. Finally. John was charged with sexual assault for the young girl and Candace. And on September 14th, 1999, John went to trial. The crown demanded to know what had happened with the blood. How was John's DNA different in his arm than it was in his fingertips? Like they could not figure this out. And they came up with this extravagant idea that John had put another man's DNA into his arm. But. It wasn't such an extravagant idea.
1: It was the truth. You can do that?
0: So John finally came forward and told everybody what he had done. He said that he had collected blood from one of his patients. He put it into a 15-centimeter plastic tube. And hours before the DNA test, he put the tube into his bicep. So he cut a little... He cut a little like thing in his vision. arm. Yep. And then he put it in himself and I've got a picture so, on the blog and I'll post it on Face or on Instagram too. So, so you can see this.
1: So he wasn't like putting the blood into his vein. He was putting the whole tube in his arm and that's why it was a hard vein.
0: Yep. So if you watch the forensic file video, you actually get a glimpse of this tube underneath his arm, because in the video where they're recording um, Gene taking his blood sample, he lifts up his shirt, but he lifts it up just a little too much, and you can see the tube underneath his skin. But obviously, if you weren't looking for that, you would have never seen it. It, it was such a fast movement, and then he and then he caught it, and he he pulled his shirt back down a little bit. But then, um, you know, later when he found out that the private investigator was looking at him and other, you know, people were kind of looking at him, he realized that a third blood um, request for his blood might come. Um, So he ended up inserting the tube again into his left, you know, bicep and he left it there for eight months. And so it actually, his skin actually grew back over the incision. So the blood. Just as Gene knew was old blood, it was extremely old blood.
1: How how did he not get like infected though from having that in his arm?
0: It's surgical grade. It's not like he went out and bought a plastic tube. True. I think it's like a surgical grade thing that he just put in there? I I don't honestly I don't know.
1: That is some scheme.
0: Yeah. After admitting to this, um, he started to come up with some excuses because he needed to cover up what he had just done. So he said that he was just protecting himself and that Candace or that he believed Candace had broken into his home, stolen a used condom and put the contents of the condom onto her underwear and clothes. So that would have had to be the night after the sex the sexual assault because the next day she went to the doctor. And actually that night she does have She was with somebody. She she had spent the night with her friend. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Anyway, so that's obviously, it's just not true. (laughs) On November 25th, Schneeberger was found guilty of sexually assaulting Candace and drugging her. He was also found guilty of sexually assaulting his stepdaughter and obstructing justice. He wasn't found, or the charge of drugging his stepdaughter was for some reason dropped. Um, And guess how long he was sentenced to prison for? He wasn't. He was, but he was only sentenced to prison for six
1: years. Six years?
0: Six years. And then we think about the fact that Candace was fighting for her own justice for seven years, and he's only sentenced to prison for six years.
1: You You can go to prison for longer than that for, like, petty drug offenses.
0: I don't, I honestly, I don't know how it happened, but his ending is not all rainbows and sugar plums. So we will continue. He was stripped of his medical license and obviously Lisa divorced him. And, and there's one, this article that I've got most of my information about as, as great as it was for facts. Um, it was interesting to see how they kind of woe is me John's situation like oh he lost his medical degree oh he had a divorce oh he had such a hard time but they don't talk about what happened to Candace Hmm. what you know how this case affected her life um and and I think most of that might be because she really didn't want her story known although she is um Interviewed in a couple shows, which I'll mention later. Um, Anyway, at the end of this Forensic Files episode, um, Candace actually gets a call saying that Schneeberger had been denied parole. So the end of the episode ends with her being super excited. Um, But, you know, now we know that he wasn't denied for long. In 2003, Schneeberger was released from prison after only serving four years Four.
1: Four years.
0: Four years. Um, he then moved to the same town Candace lived in and worked as a demolition crew, um, or on a demolition crew. But, you know, this didn't last long either because he was also stripped of his Canadian citizenship.
1: Canada kicked him out of the country.
0: Yep. Tr- Can- Canada. Yep. Turned out he had obtained his um, citizenship illegally because he hadn't disclosed that he had been under investigation for rape. So he had um, applied for the citizenship in like the early nineties. I believe it was 93. Um, So that was right around the time where he was under suspicion. Even after the trial and what came out about what he had done to his stepdaughter and to Candace, and even after he had been stripped of his citizenship, people still loved him. There was even a woman that refused to go to the doctor unless she was going to Dr. John. People were still under this assumption that he was an innocent, you know, straightforward, professional doctor um, when it was proven, and he admitted that he wasn't. His friends um, began a a campaign to the immigration minister to reverse the deportation and let John say goodbye to his biological daughters, who were at the time five and six. And believe it or not, they won. So... John's ex wife, Lisa, um, was really struggling at this point. You know, she had sincerely loved this man, and to find out that he had raped her daughter was horrific. And she actually opted to pay a $2,000 fine rather than take her daughters, the five and six year olds, which were John's biological children, um, to see him in prison. But this time, After this um, campaign, she was forced to take her daughters to see him. Um, And she actually, she has a quote where she said, at least I can say to my girls when they're older, I tried. They will know that mommy at least tried to keep us away from him. I still blame myself. Maybe if I had believed Candy, none of this would have happened to my daughter. And I think that's a really big burden to... To weigh. I mean, this was her husband. She trusted him. She thought she knew who he was. And all along, he was fooling her.
1: That's crazy. Yeah.
0: So, He's um, fooling everybody, not just her. He was fooling everybody. And I wonder, too, if it has something to do with, um, you know, like white coat syndrome, where you believe somebody because they're in a white coat and they're they're a doctor and they seem official. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one big thing that they, they play a lot is that candy or Candace wasn't believed because she was just a normal girl or a normal woman, you know, And, and this was a doctor that everybody loved. Yeah. In December of 2003, John was deported back to South Africa, and uh, as of our last update, he lives in Durban with his mother. Um, Durban is the third biggest city in South Africa. People in Kipling might have loved John, but in South Africa, he gained a new nickname. Do you want to know what it is? What is it? Dr. Rape. Hmm. So they had no patience for this guy, um, and they didn't want him anywhere near any of their medical fields. He tried multiple times to get jobs um, in the medical field, but thankfully was denied every time. Um, as of 2018, Candace is happily married and works for addiction services in Canada. So she seems to be doing well and helping people who might be going through similar you know, situations that she did. Um, I've got some interesting facts for you. This case was highlighted in a few different shows, obviously in the Forensic Files episode um, called Bad Blood. But it also is in an episode of 72 Hours called The Good Doctor. And um, there was a Canadian film called I Accuse," which actually came out about her. It it is her story. um, And, you know, a big actress and model played her, which is kind of cool. I mean, I wouldn't say... She ever wanted that to happen, but cool. Um, it inspired an episode of Law & Order SVU, my fave, um, called Serendipity. And it was also featured on an episode of Autopsy called Dead Man Talking. Huh. So I hope you liked this episode. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, tell us what you think of John Schneeberger. And how he got away with that for so long. That's crazy to me. Crazy. All right. Well, thank you guys. And we will see you next week.
1: See you guys.